Very good morning. If you take your Bible, please. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to pick up the Christmas account in the months before uh, the Christmas day, if you like. Obviously, tomorrow isn't the day that Christ was born. It's the day we celebrate it. But um, just like for many of us, maybe not after this morning's service, but up until now at least, Christmas has still felt a long way away, um, a long way off. And in the account we're going to read that that day is still some time off. Luke chapter 1. The angel has just spoken to Mary, and we're going to pick it up after that, immediately after that. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste, into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Elizabeth is also pregnant. She is the mother of John the Baptist. And Mary, having just found out that she also is pregnant with the Christ, We're just going to look at, this morning, this discussion between these ladies and and then we're going to see also what the angel said to Joseph just after this takes place as well. And it's both instructive and I think it will tell us who Christ is, but it's also applicable to us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'd bless our time in your word this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord, I pray. Challenge us from your word that we might leave from here changed people. We ask your blessing upon the remainder of the service and our time now in your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Mary has come into Elizabeth's house and Elizabeth prophesies. Now, the first thing we see here, Mary coming in, Elizabeth prophesies. The first thing that Elizabeth says about the child, about Christ, is there in verse 43. This is where we want to start looking. Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? Jesus Christ 
is Lord. Here we see this, this lady under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. She's prophesying. She's, she's speaking under the leading of the Holy Ghost. And she says in verse 43, she refers to this child as Lord. Lord is a title referring to the possession of. It was used in that day to describe a master who perhaps possessed slaves, perhaps possessed a business. It was also used of the Roman emperor. <laughs> Very different, a shopkeeper to the Roman emperor. It was a, a term of respect from someone one person to another, indicating that that other possessed something. And everyone in between, I guess, the emperor and the shopkeeper uh, that possessed things. The title was used of chiefs as well. The, the emperor, or uh, uh, one of his stooges, obviously he, that he was, the title was used to represent the fact that he owned the region or the country that they were in. It was a respectful title, though. But the scripture also uses the title Lord for God and for the coming Messiah. And Elizabeth uses this title for the baby of her, her cousin Mary unborn child. Elizabeth uses this title to refer to an unborn child of her cousin. And the first question that I have for you this morning, first question for me as well, Lord is used to describe the fact that somebody possesses, that somebody should be respected and that he had something significant about him, that he had possession. And this title is used in that way. But who is your Lord? Who is your Lord? Who is your master? Who is your possessor? See, the arrival of the Messiah is just beginning in this account. Mary is only just received news from the angel that she would be having a child. And yet here we have Elizabeth using this title, Lord, Master, Possessor of all of this, of the unborn child, her, her first cousin once removed. It's a remarkable use of the term. And yet he is the possessor of everything. And here we are in a first world country 2,000 years later, or more than that, and we still pause to recognize it, to recognize his birth. Why? Because he is Lord. Because he is possessor of everything. He is God. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, how we treat him, he's Lord anyway. 
But do you, personally, do you treat him as Lord? Do you refer to him? Do you think of God? Do you think of Jesus Christ as Lord? Is he your Lord? Is he your master? See, in this day, a servant wouldn't step out of place without instruction from their Lord, their master. And yet, we go about our lives very often giving absolutely no thought to would these actions please God? What would God have me to do about this decision? You see, we, we don't, very often we don't think of God as Lord, Master. We think of him in no relationship to ourself and ourself of no we have no responsibility back to him. Is he your master? See, here we are celebrating his birth. But is he your master? The way you the decision, make decisions. Are you doing your own thing? Are you doing, making decisions based upon what would please God? What would honour God? Is Jesus Christ your master? Does he possess you? See, we don't use the title master so much anymore for a business owner, perhaps. But we do use it around a skill or an ability, a trade, a master builder, for example. Someone that has mastered an ability. We say, oh, he's got a good grip of the task. He's mastered that ability. That's where that phrase is coming from. Someone that was a, had a, a trade, they would be referred to as a master of this trade or a master of that trade. They've gotten to possess that skill or that occupation or that ability. And Jesus Christ, being God, truly does possess all. He really is master of all. And yet, the way we live our life, does it convey that? Does the way we live our life honour the fact that he indeed is Lord? He is master. What Elizabeth says here to Mary and is recorded here for us, is insightful. Jesus Christ is Lord. But as we move on, we see Mary's response is also insightful. We pick it up in verse 46, please. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. Mary also uses the title Lord here. But she also then goes on to use the title for the child that she's carrying, the title Saviour, there in verse 47. Saviour. That word Saviour literally means deliverer. Deliverer. That 
same phrase is used 40 times in the New Testament. The other 39 times, other than here, it is absolutely crystal clear that it's referring to Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world. Here, you could argue that it's referring to God, the Saviour, but that would be out of keeping with everything, every other use of it. I believe that she is referring to the child in her womb. She says, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. Referring to the unborn child. And though the context here is the two ladies praising God, I do believe that they are acknowledging Christ. Elizabeth has just acknowledged her Lord as he entered as the unborn child into her house. And now Mary is responding, referring to the Saviour. And yes, God will save us, but he uses Christ as the means of doing the saving. And therefore, Christ is our saviour. And he is the saviour that is prophetically referred to. So Jesus Christ is Lord and Jesus Christ is saviour. These two titles used here are insightful. Mary goes on from verse 47 and talks about how God has blessed her and his graciousness to her. But as she finishes up, she says uh, in verse 55, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. She's not just talking about this saviour out of context. She ties it back and says, this saviour that's about to come into the world, this Lord that you've referred to, this saviour that's about to come, he's a saviour that has been prophetically foretold. As we read in the readings this morning already, but go with me for a moment, keep your place here in the New Testament, go with me into the Old Testament to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Jesus Christ, the saviour of the world, is prophetically referred to. And Mary makes reference to that here in our passage as well. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. He's written some 550 years before the time of Christ. And yet here in the beginning of verse 26, we see the reference to his coming. Daniel 9 verse 26, And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And it goes on to prophesy other portions of of, um of Christ's ministry still to come. And yet there, it says that the Messiah will come, but he'll be cut off, but not for himself. Referring to Easter and what takes place on the cross, that he would be, his life would be cut off. 
but it wouldn't be for his own misdeeds. He'll be cut off for others, as it says here. Go with me now to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah 7. So 550 or so years earlier, the Messiah was prophesied to, when he came, he would, he would be cut off. His, his life would suddenly stop, but not for his own misdeeds. And here in Isaiah 7, the Messiah is uh, also prophesied. Now, this prophecy is more than, like seven or 800 years before the time of Christ. Isaiah 7, verse 14 Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The, the saviour of the world that's coming, the Messiah that's coming, will be born of a virgin, which implies what? He's not going to come as a mighty leader of an army. He's going to come initially as a baby, virgin born. And the title there in verse 14, given he should be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. He will be born as a baby, but he won't just be a man, he will be God. The baby that's coming to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world, will be God himself. Emmanuel, God with us. We've asked the question already, is Jesus Christ your Lord? But is he your Savior? He was prophesied to be coming as the saviour of the world. And when he came, he came in fulfilment of those prophecies. And yet the saviour of the world can be ignored. When he came, he came with, though we acknowledge the shepherds and we acknowledge the wise men, who else came? The scriptures don't even tell us that the innkeeper was aware of what was happening out back. Maybe he was. I mean, if there were angels singing and, and carrying on in your back garden, you may be aware of it. But it doesn't tell us of hordes of people coming to the stable that night and acknowledging what was taking place. And yet... The Messiah, the saviour of the world, was prophesied to be coming as a baby and would be God himself. Mary has declared Jesus Christ as her saviour. Elizabeth has declared him as her Lord and master. Would you keep your place here in Isaiah? We'll come back to it. Let's go back to the New Testament and then we'll come back to Isaiah, if you have enough fingers, that is. Otherwise, you can find it again. We'll go back to Matthew now. We've seen Mary and Elizabeth, but let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. 
and we see here the angel appearing at a fairly similar time to Joseph now. Because we see that Jesus Christ is Saviour, but he's Saviour from what? In verse 20, please. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, he's just heard that the lady he's espoused to is pregnant. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. We just read that in Isaiah, written seven, eight hundred years earlier. Verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The fulfillment of that prophecy is just being pointed out to Joseph. Don't worry, Joseph. This was prophesied. What's happening to, between, for, for you and, and your espouse, uh, your fiancé, don't worry. It's been prophesied. We knew it was coming. You just, nobody realized. Nobody fully understood what the prophecy was talking about. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You'll call your wife's son Jehovah is salvation. Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Why? Because he shall save. What shall he save from? He shall save from sin. See, a saviour. Jesus Christ is Lord and Jesus Christ is saviour. He's a saviour, not in a tinny from a flood. He's a saviour, not with an anti-venom from a snake, snake strike. He's a saviour. He hasn't got a life ring. He's not on a jet ski saving from a rip. But a saviour always saves from something and usually with something. He's not saving from a cliff face with a rope. He's saving with his life and death from sin. A saviour. Jesus Christ is saviour. What is he saviour from? He's saviour from sin. Your sin. He'll save you from your sin. He saved me from my sin. The effects of it. He's a saviour. 
He was prophesied to come as a saviour, and he comes as a saviour. And even Daniel, as we looked at already, the prophecy was that with his life and death, but not death for himself, death for others, he would save. It's very specific. Verse 21 tells us that thou call his name Jesus, for he shall save. Not might save, not could save those that are reasonably behaved, which is just as well, because many of us are not reasonably behaved. He shall save from sin. Sin is not good behaviour. He shall save. Is he your saviour from sin? Like a rip at the beach. You need to acknowledge to the saviour that you're in trouble. There is a universal sign for help, I'm in trouble in this rip. That sign is not, ah, just go with the flow, mate. She'll be right. We'll work it out at the end. That sign is to acknowledge, to put your hand up and say, I'm actually in trouble. I actually need somebody to come out here and get me out of this water because I'm in trouble. I need, what? A saviour. A saviour from this rip. And in the same way, not physically, but spiritually and mentally, we also need to put our hand up and say, God, I am a sinner. I have sinned, I do sin. And I need saving from my sin. And just like the person in the rip, they need to put their hand up when they're in the rip to be saved from their sin, uh, to save from the, the rip. And in the same way, we can't wait till the end of our life and work it out. Oh, when I die, it'll, it'll work out. It's too late for a saviour then. In the middle of our sinful life, we need to mentally and spiritually put our hand up and say, Lord, I need saving from my sin. I can't deal with my sin, but you can. You prophesied that there'd be a saviour from sin. And you sent one at Christmas. You said he'd come as a baby, virgin born. You said he would be God with us. Jesus Christ is God. I need saving from my sin, God. Jesus Christ will save you from your sin. And Isaiah foretold of this 400, uh, sorry, seven or 800 years 
earlier. Can we just finish back in Isaiah? If you kept your place, go to Isaiah 53. If you didn't, please join us at Isaiah 53. Again, written long before, seven, eight hundred years before the time of Christ. You say, ah, oh, well, that might have been just written afterwards. No, the Old Testament is what the Jews use as their scriptures. They had their scriptures signed, sealed, and finished 500 years before Christ. It was prophesied. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. God, the Lord, laid on him, Christ, the iniquity, sins of us all. And to back it up, verse 11, he, God, shall see the travail of his soul, Christ bearing the sins on the cross, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The end of it reinforces the fact that he'll bear their iniquities, our sins, but have you let Christ be your saviour from your sin? Or are you just trying to struggle on, do the best that you can? Notice there, though, in verse 6, it says that God laid the sins of us all on him, but verse 11 says that he shall justify many, not all. Why? Not because Christ was ineffective, because verse 11 also says that God was satisfied with what Christ did. But because God knew our stubborn hearts. And though he has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all, many of us will accept that payment for our sins. But some will not. Through unbelief, through denial, for uh, it'll be all right, mate. Because God can't make us accept his salvation. It's like us struggling in the rip and the lifeguard going past and us not asking for help. He can only justify many because many will not let God save him. 
Save them. So what are you going to do this Christmas? Are you going to do what you've always done? And just ignore the fact that at this time of year, we stop and acknowledge the Saviour of the world and yet not accept the Saviour of the world into your own life to save you from your sins? Or are you going to do something different this Christmas? Are you going to let God actually save you from your sins? What a wonderful time of year to stop and say, I get it. I understand. The Saviour of the world came as a baby and at Easter died for my sins on the cross. I understand. He was coming and he came as the Saviour from sin. We don't celebrate the life of a lifeguard but not let him pull us out of the water when we need help. At Christmas, we're acknowledging, we're celebrating the birth of the Saviour. But is he your Saviour? Is he your Saviour from sin? And as we close, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Master. And yet, the question needs to be asked, is he your master? He can't be your master unless he's already your saviour. But just because you've let him save you does not mean he's your master. You might be living your life your own way, making choices without, with no regard to God. But Jesus Christ, most importantly, is Saviour. He was a prophesied to come Saviour, and he was Saviour. He is Saviour from sin. But is he your Saviour from your sin? Have you made it personally? Have you, have you made him personally your Saviour from sin? That would be the, the best thing you could do this Christmas, is to acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Saviour from sin.